Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vezaisa Bracha Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Vezaisa Bracha. The topic of our Aliyah is Moshe's Brachas and specifically Yosef, the Bracha that goes to Yosef. It is Fab Sokiblong running from Perik Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Yud Gimel to Yud Zion. Let's take a look at the basic summary and then some points to ponder. We're told about the Bracha of Yosef is the following. His land is blessed from the gifts of heavens and the blessed blessings of the depths. He will receive the sweetness of the sun's yield and the sweetness of the moon's crop from the tops of the mountains of old to the sweetness of the hills of ancient history. From the sweetness of the land and its fullness from the one who dwells in the bush. Let the bracha come to him upon the head of Yosef and thereafter to his brothers. He is compared to this ox who has his great majestic ox whose horns are the horns of the Re'em and he will go the other nations in the world and these are a description of the myriads of Ephraim and the thousands of Menashe. So a lot, a lot over here and of course it's very poetic as the Aliyahs have been. We're going to just focus on a few basic points just so we have a basic understanding. So first is in terms of order, why is Yosef following Binyamin? So Rashi explains that the Mishkan in was in Shiloh for the first 369 years in Israel before it went to with a few breaks to the tribe of Binyamin in the base of Migdash and therefore that's why it follows we so therefore if you look at the general trajectory of the brachas we therefore see Levi who serves in the base of Migdash followed by Binyamin who has the base of Migdash followed by Yosef who has the Mishkan so that's the general flow another question is why all these elaborate descriptions of the land of Yosef Sarashi says quoting the Sifrei that no one's land was quite as full and as good as Yosef's land. If you look at a lot of Ephraim's territory, and certainly Menashe as well, it's heartland Israel. We're going to from the Shamron northwards into um, the Galil today, as we have it, and we hear about descriptions about it's a land, as Rashi explains, is good for the, it, there's good sun in the land for ripening of the fruits. There's good rains and underground water sources for the crops. There's consistent yields, early ripening, perennial return of crops. So all of these are. Um, implicated in the words themselves. Rabbi Bechai does quote a Medrash that says that because in the beginning of time when Adam listened to his wife without being a little more discerning when eating the, from, the, from the tree, the Eitzadais, the land was cursed. And so this in a certain sense is seen as a reversal in the sense that Yosef did not listen to the seductions of Aisha's Potiphar. He did not simply go with his indulgences. He was a little more discerning. His morals trumped his indulgences. And that yielded uh, the blessings of the land. Just interesting structure, we'll call historical pattern there. Another question is, why the image of Hashem as the one who crouches in the bush? So it says that all these brachas are coming from the one who crouches in the bush. It's a very strange description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Most Mepharshim understand it to mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears in the burning bush in Parshas Shmois when Moshe Rabbeinu first discovers HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the, what the, the Rav Hirsch explains is that Yosef is blessed with so much great bounty, there's so much blessing in his land, it's important to remember that Hashem doesn't need that bounty. Sometimes we delude ourselves into thinking, well, it would be much better to serve Hashem if we only had X, Y, and Z, however many acres, however many cars, however many whatever it is that somebody else has or we see elsewhere. Well, that's not needed for Hashem's service. To serve Hashem, Hashem was quite sufficiently happy with appearing to the nation of Israel, to Moshe, the leader of the nation of Israel, in a burning bush, in a very simple expression. And this perhaps gets to one of the challenges that Israel is going to have, and that is Ephraim did have all this wealth, but as long as they remembered Hashem in this most simple experience of an ordeal, 
then they would be safe. But when Hashem is no longer just the only value, and it's, just, it's the wealth and the opulence, well, Ephraim didn't do so well. In fact, they broke away under Yeravam ben Nevat to the rest of the northern kingdom, splitting the tribes and having an early exile. So that wasn't such a good um, result, if one forgets the Ratzon Shachni Sneh, the one who gives over the Torah in the snare. In fact, the snare, as the Ramban points out, refers to Sinai, which is where the burning bush was. And so the law giving at Sinai is what's reflected here. Now, why is Yosef given the image of the ox? When you see stained glass windows a lot of times, the ox is the one that appears to Yosef because of this Pasuk, Bukhor Sharoi Hadar Lai. Rashi says it refers to Yoshua, who was the successor of Moshe, received the hoid, the splendor of Moshe, where Moshe Rabbeinu put his hands upon him. Um, and he would conquer the other nations of Israel, the 31 kings, as he entered Israel and leads Israel to the next step. The Mepharish Paneach Raza explains that it refers not just to a Shar, but a Bechor Shar, the firstborn ox. And that's important because Yosef here is getting two portions of land for that of Menashe and Ephraim. That might explain the Malim explains why there are two horns. One is Ephraim and one is Menashe. The ox being the, the king of the domestic animals following the king of the beasts, which is the lion. So Yehuda is seen as the Gur-Arye, the lion, and then followed by Yosef, who is seen as the next level of leadership among the domestic animals. Who are these nations who, who, who that he, is, he is goring? So Rashi says it refers to the 31 kings that Yoshua will conquer. However, the Orachim says that Ephraim, when it talks about Ephraim, it refers to the leader Yoshua, the greater leader, and then Menashe refers to Gidon, a later Shofet who wasn't as strong as Yoshua. Or perhaps as the Netziv says, Ephraim refers to Yeruvam ben Nevat, and, and, Ye- and Menashe refers to Yehu, both of them progenies of theirs, more complicated leaders of the times of Melachim later on. Also a lot of futuristic perspectives being shared over here as to what could be the potential of Yosef in Ephraim and Menashe. With this we close. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.